This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity Podcast and the Becker Business Minute. Thrilled today to visit with Pete Witte. Pete is the lead analyst in the private equity sector for EY. EY, of course, is the uh, you know world-famous big four accounting firm. Uh, Pete, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? And then we'll talk about what you're seeing going into 2023 in the private equity environment and more. Sure. Thanks, Scott. And, uh, and, and thanks for having me here today. Uh, so just a little bit uh, about myself. Let's see, uh, I, I work for EY. Obviously, uh, as you say, we're one of the largest uh, professional services uh, firms in the world. Um, we have got a little over 350,000 people uh, right now. Uh, and about 25,000 of those uh, are really dedicated to working uh, with private equity. We work with the vast majority of the funds out there in some form or another. Uh, and about half of what we do is directly related um, to uh, private equity transactions. Uh, and about half is everything else, right? In terms of uh, my role at the firm, um, I lead our research efforts uh, around um, private equity and some of the related spaces uh, like credit and growth equity and so on. Uh, and so a big part of my job is helping people, both our EY people uh, and our clients um, to get and stay smart around some of the themes uh, and the trends that we're seeing in the private equity space. I've been working uh, in alternatives for about 20 years now, 20, maybe 25 years, uh, and about half of that uh, has been with EY, uh, and then about half of that was split uh, between uh, Deutsche Bank and Morgan Stanley, uh, where I worked in, uh, in sponsor coverage. So phenomenal career, phenomenal area, 20 years in the alternatives area is one of the earlier starters in it. When you look at the end of this year, you know, we're seeing some looming challenging size in the economy. What does that mean for 2023? What do you see out there for private equity in 2023? And does it differentiate greatly by big general funds versus smaller specialty funds? What are some of your thoughts on what we should expect to see in 2023? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, I think, look, it's a, it's a really interesting time uh, right now uh, in private equity, you know, where we had this huge momentum coming into, um, you know, the first part of 2022, right? Uh, and then um, the geopolitical situation deteriorated. It became apparent um, that inflation was going to be more persistent uh, than a lot of folks first thought. And so as the year progressed, we saw this steady decline in deal activity over the course of the year. Um, and so, you know, where in 2021, you know, at the height of the recovery from the pandemic, you know, we might see 70 significant private equity deals every month. 2022, it was maybe half of that, you know, call it 30, 35 or so. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. And that is going to be important context for um, the way that 2023 plays out, right? I think as the outlook has gotten cloudier, right, you know, you've got this usual disconnect that we always see um, in times like this, where there's a gap between um, the expectations of the buyers and the sellers, right? Sellers want the price from six months ago or nine months ago or whatever it is. Buyers want the price for, from today. And so there's just an adjustment period that the market has to go through to find the right clearing price uh, for some of these transactions. I think the other important dynamic uh, that we've seen, particularly over the, um, the second half of 2022, um, is some of the dislocation that we've seen in the financing markets, right? And some of the challenges that some of the large banks have had in, in clearing some of the debt that they took on uh, to finance um, large deals in the early part of 2022. 
And that really limited appetite uh, for new deals from at least the perspective of the syndicated um, uh, financing markets. Um, and that had some really interesting impacts that I think are going to shape the way that uh, PE deals get done in, in, in 2023. The first of those, I think, is a shift toward the middle market, right? So um, that's kind of a, re, uh, a reversal of the trend that we saw the last few years where we saw bigger and bigger deals. Those deals are easier to finance. The valuations tend to be lower. Um, you're writing higher equity checks, um, you know, and so on. A lot of those deals tend to be add-on deals, right? So they're getting bolted on uh, to an existing platform investment. And in a typical market, we might see like 50-50 between platform deals and add-ons. Uh, right now, it's more like, you know, call it 60, 40, 70, 30, something like that. So just a general shift, I think, towards smaller, you know, um, more easily executable deals. Another, I would say, is take privates, right? So we've seen a flurry of activity there. Um, and that's something that if the markets continue to be challenged, that's something that we'll continue to see. We saw strong IPO markets um, a year ago. We saw sort of the SPAC run up last year. And so the public markets have all kinds of attractive opportunities. We've seen a few deals that were done at 50% discounts to stocks um, 52 weeks highs. And so for the right company, that can be really uh, compelling for a private equity acquirer. Another is probably carve outs, right? So these kind of periods of volatility, um, they lend themselves uh, to those types of deals, right? Corporates tend to focus on their core um, lines of business uh, when the markets tend to get choppy. So they divest non-core uh, assets. Um, and those kinds of deals can be real competitive differentiators for private equity funds, um, especially the larger funds, right? So they provide opportunities for firms to kind of come in and you know, leverage their scale, leverage their operational expertise, um, and drive value there, right? You know, you think about the competition for um, a company, you know, valued at $500 million versus five or $10 billion, right? There's just less competition for some of those larger deals. And then the big one, um, I think, is really around um, the private credit space. You know, the particulars uh, of this market um, have really made it private credit's time to shine, right? So you think about all those take private deals uh, that I mentioned. I don't think a single one of those um, was financed by the traditional syndicated finance markets, right? Um, instead, they've either over-equitized the deal and they figure they'll come in and, and swap in the, uh, the equity for debt later on, or more likely, they were financed by consortiums of private credit funds. Um, you know, a few years ago, private credit funds were responsible for maybe, I don't know, 10, 20% of PE financings. Right now, it's almost the entire market, right? So almost all private equity financing is coming from these types of funds. Now, that won't always be the case, right? Interest rates will stabilize at some point next year. Um, the banks will get some of this inventory off their books. But I think when we look back at this period, you know, this is really going to be uh, an inflection point for the private credit space. Thank you. Some of those big banks had some massive exposure to different things that's led them to shy away a little bit. Is that part of the narrative or part of the equation? Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. You know, um, and I think they've reduced their exposure, right? So we saw some of the banks take on, um, you know, commit to financing um, some large LBOs in the first part uh, of 2021. And then as rates went higher and higher and higher over the course of the year, um, they had a hard time, you know, moving that off of their books. 
And so they've been reluctant uh, to take on new deals. Um, you know, over the last, you know, call it a couple of months or so, they have tested the market with varying levels of success. You know, so we do see investors coming back into that space, um, but they're being very selective uh, in terms of what they back right now. Um, so I think the market is beginning to stabilize. But the way that we've seen PE firms respond to that is that they've gotten very creative uh, in terms of how they're financing deals, right? So there was one deal, for example, recently announced. It was a carve-out uh, from a large corporate, um, and the financing package for that uh, included um, cash from the private equity fund, some convertible instruments that could be converted to equity at a later date, um, they rounded up several billion dollars in financing from a consortium of private credit funds. Um, and then they got seller financing from the corporate seller. And so, you know, those are all features, I think, that we're going to see um, if the market continues to be challenged like this. Thank you. And then I have three or four follow-up questions, and I'll do them one at a time. Sure. The, the amount of dry powder versus challenges with financing any thoughts on how much dry powder PE funds are holding? Are they still holding a ton of money to do deals with? And how available will financing be? And I know that sort of ties to your first discussion there about private credit and the big banks and so forth. But what does dry powder look like? What's the appetite for private equity funds to be putting money to work in general? Yeah, I, I, I think the 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 interesting thing about this market is that, you know, even with sort of the challenges on the um, – um, on the financing side, we just don't see a, a, a situation where private equity firms um, are in, you know, a whole lot of danger of being capital constrained, right? So, you know, last year, PE firms had about, call it $1.4, $1.5 trillion uh, in dry powder for deals. That level is down a little bit now, just because the pace of deals in 2021 was so high um, that it actually outpaced fundraising activity for the first time. And so now PE firms, they have about $1.2 trillion, um, which is just, you know, it's a tremendous amount of capital um, to go out and put to work. Um, and so, you know, they're going to have the ability to, to, to finance um, a lot of interesting opportunities. Thank you. And then of the PE funds, you've got the mega funds, sort of the, the black zones of the world. You've got a ton of mid-sized to smaller-sized funds, anywhere from 5 to $15 billion to several hundred million. Is there any sense of whether one is better positioned than the other, or does it really just depend upon what they're trying to do and the talent they have and so forth? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a lot of the latter, right? Where, um, you know, um, a lot of small funds are highly specialized in a particular space or strategy or geo um, or whatever it is, right? Um, and those types of funds are going to continue to be interesting uh, to investors um, because they provide you know, access to parts of the market, you know, that's, that's, that's difficult to get. Um, that said, I think we see continued consolidation of relationships, um, you know, for a lot of LPs with their largest managers. Um, I read a, a, an interesting stat this morning. Uh, it was from PitchBook that um, uh, the 13 largest funds in 2022 uh, raised um, almost half of the total capital um, that was that was put into private equity, um, which is just tremendous, right? And so it really does kind of speak to, I think, you know, this measure of industry consolidation that we're seeing, 
um, the propensity uh, of LPs um, to fund their largest and best relationships, especially in periods of volatility, uh, like we're seeing right now. And then, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, the ability of these large managers to continue to diversify their product offerings and create product lines that that are interesting for investors, right? So you think about the large complexes now, they're not just private equity, right? That's a minority of their assets, right? It's credit and real estate and growth equity and, and you know, all these other lines of business. I mean, that's completely right on in terms of the mix of different products that they offer. Take a moment on another question. Specialization. Is that so important more for the smaller and mid-sized funds than the mega funds? And are there industries that you're particularly seeing more interest in or more excitement around versus other industries? Yeah, I, 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 I do think specialization, it's an important lever uh, for private equity firms that they can pull, right? Um, if you know an industry extremely well, um, if you know the people in the industry, you have the networks, it, it's it's a given that you're going to do better deals. And so, um, you know, that's a that's a it's a critical piece of the uh, of the playbook, um, you know, for 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 private equity firms. Um, I think, you know, beyond that, we're seeing sort of a focus on um, thematic uh, investing, right, where instead of sort of looking at industry verticals, right? Whether it's the consumer space, the energy space, you know, the industrial space, you know, and so on. Firms are looking at things through a thematic lens and they say, okay, um, we're going to invest in the personalized medicine space because we see strong secular tailwinds here. Or we're going to invest in the logistics space or the digital infrastructure space or whatever it is. And so um, I think, you know, that's a shift that we've seen in the market here over the last few years where, where firms are thinking um, very thematically in how they deploy capital. No, fascinating, actually, perspective on it. And the thematic investing seems to have come back with a sort of, you know, very strong tilt with lots of funds and so forth. In terms of LPs and private equity funds putting money to work, one of the things LPs, the largest LPs, the smallest LPs wonder about is when they make a capital commitment, how quickly the pace is that the private equity fund puts that money to work. Any sense out there of how that is going? Because that seems to me from an LP perspective to be a longer period of time than it's been the last couple of years. Any sense of that? Does that, is that, does data show that out or is that not? Yeah, from capital raising to deployment. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a good question, um, and I haven't seen any specific data around that. Um, I do think that there's a sense that with the LPs um, that, you know, PE firms have been coming back to market faster and faster, um, looking for more capital commitments, right? So you think about, you know, the flagship funds from the large complexes a few years ago, they might raise a, um, a flagship fund every five years, and then it became every two or three years, and then it became every 18 months. And so I think that has um, precipitated some, you know, some challenges for certain LPs and saying, okay, you know, we have to make some tough calls about who we're, who we're actually going to fund here. So it, it, it's, a, it's a thank you very, very much. And we do see some funds that seemingly are trying to show as they're raising is they're getting commitments that they've got places they plan to put the money to give them confidence it'll actually be deployed. In, in any event, Pete, what a, what a pleasure to visit with you. What a great perspective on the market. I appreciate you joining us. Pete, where could people find out more about you and the EY private equity practice and so forth? 
Sure. Um, so we've got a, 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 a ton of great content um, that we publish on a regular basis. Um, some of it is topical um, and some of it is sort of just, you know, broad market insights um, like we're talking about today. Um, but it's all available uh, on our website, ey.com. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very, very much. Scott, thanks a ton for having me.